Welcome to The Fiscal Feminist, a conversation about women, money, and priorities. Hi, I'm Kimberly Davis, and I'm The Fiscal Feminist. I'm also a managing director and partner in the Bonson Group, a wealth management practice in Newport Beach, California. It's an emergency. Why having an emergency fund should be a top priority. Every day, unexpected events can happen in our lives that can totally change our reality in a minute. Nobody is safe from the vagaries of unexpected events that may cause upheaval in our lives. How do we protect ourselves from the upheaval caused by these unexpected events and lessen the turmoil therefrom? We establish an emergency fund which will soften the impact of sudden crisis and give you the space to think and react without worrying about paying for the basics of your life during a stressful time like keeping a roof over your head and having something to eat. Let's discuss why establishing an emergency fund should be an urgent priority in your life, perhaps the most important thing you can do to stave off future hardship. It really is an emergency. Let's look at the facts. According to a report from the AARP Public Policy Institute that was issued in October of 2019, despite the United States having experienced a prolonged period of economic growth and record low unemployment, a significant percentage of American households are one unexpected event away from financial distress. That is correct. One unexpected event. The report states that 53% of U.S. households have no emergency savings accounts. The emergency savings challenge is widespread and includes 51% of people over the age of 50 and people at every income level. Household income alone does not determine whether someone has an emergency savings account. Further, the Federal Reserve reports for the sixth consecutive year that approximately 40% of American households would struggle to cope with a $400 unexpected expense. That's right, a $400 unexpected expense. This does not seem like a huge amount of money, but it is a lot of money. But that amount of money could literally put many households into complete turmoil. According to research from the Pew Charitable Trusts, 33% of Americans say they have no money that they would actually call savings, including 10% who have incomes of $100,000 a year. Americans have very little saved in preparation for financial shocks, putting many families at risk, said Clinton Key, a researcher for Pew's Financial Security and Mobility Project. Our analysis shows that most families will be faced with a significant and possibly destabilizing unexpected expense at some point. It's critical for families to build emergency savings. The hardcore reality is that a car repair, a medical bill, a loss of a job, or reduction in hours could disrupt many households' finances and well-being. So why is an emergency fund so important? The old saying that cash is king is meaningful in many ways, but it really resonates when we talk about the need for household liquidity. So what exactly is liquidity? The root of liquidity is the word liquid, which means a substance that flows freely but is of constant volume, having a consistency like that of water or oil. Note the words constant and consistency. A liquid asset 
in financial terms is defined as cash on hand or an asset that can be readily converted to cash. Cash is the most liquid asset, while tangible assets such as real estate or fine art are considered illiquid, and that is because you can't sell them in a minute. It may take months to offload these assets based on the economy or preferences from the buyers, so on and so forth. The Federal Reserve considers liquid savings to include balances in checking and savings accounts, cash, prepaid cards, stocks and bonds, and mutual funds. And that's because stocks, bonds, and mutual funds can also become cash quickly. If you tell your investment advisor you would like to you know, get some cash, they can sell those things. And within three days, you can pretty much have that cash from that sale in your account. Emergency savings are a form of liquidity, i.e. they're cash on hand. It refers to the ability to quickly deploy funds to deal with an unexpected emergency or event. The rule of thumb is to have three to six months of living expenses in an emergency fund savings account in order to stave off disaster in the case of an unforeseen circumstance. The three-month period is related to the average term of unemployment due to job loss, and so that's how they came up with the three-month number. But clearly, a six-month fund is preferable, especially when you consider long-term unexpected medical events. Evidence suggests that having liquid savings in an emergency fund keeps household finances on track, even if there is an unforeseen event. Having an emergency fund is a certain state of mind. It's a strategic mindset that isn't throwing caution to the wind and hoping it will all work out in the event something unexpectedly goes awry and you'll just deal with it at that point in time. Trust me, when that thing happens, you're not going to want to worry about where you're going to be getting your money from. You're going to want to deal with the matter at hand, whatever that is, looking for a new job, dealing with an illness, dealing with whatever is on the scene at that moment. So if you've got the money part of it temporarily taking care of you, you can free your mind for other thoughts. In addition, being a buffer against financial hardship in the short term, emergency savings contribute to long-term financial security because individuals with savings are less likely to incur unsecured debt and other high-cost financial bailouts that often result in long-term indebtedness or bankruptcy. So a lot of people, when they have one of these events occur, the first thing they do is plunk down their credit card or they borrow against something and they have a lot of unsecured debt floating around as a result. Maybe they get through the unforeseen circumstance, but then they're going to have the next circumstance, which is a whole boatload of debt to deal with to pay off their bridge loan that they gave themselves during the emergency. Emergency savings protect the longevity of retirement assets. Frequently, when there is an emergency, people rely on their retirement accounts to fund the cost by borrowing from it or taking early withdrawals. One survey found that 49% of employees expect that they will use their retirement savings for a non-retirement expense, with 21% of loans from retirement accounts being taken to cover a financial emergency. Using retirement savings for rainy day expenses can result in incurring high costs in the form of lost interest in earnings on your 401k or IRA accounts, taxes, and financial penalties. Altogether, the effect of early withdrawals and to a lesser extent loans from 401k plans and IRAs is 20% lower aggregate retirement savings in the defined contribution retirement system. So, Borrowing against retirement accounts to fund emergency situations is essentially stealing from your future. 
you're going to have an emergency when you're retired if you don't have enough money to live on. And if you keep stealing from your retirement savings account now, then you're just pushing another emergency out into the future. So my advice is don't do it. Are emergency funds only for high wage earners? No, it's a mindset, remember? Regardless of income, an emergency fund is essential. We all have unexpected events. Americans at all income levels have no emergency savings accounts. One in four Americans earning over $150,000 per year has no emergency savings, while many low-income families are able to save for emergency funds with budgeting and planning. Note budgeting and planning. That's very important. It doesn't matter what you make. If you budget and plan within your income level, you can have an emergency savings account. The old adage, the more money you make, the more money you spend, is absolutely correct. And hence, although one would think people who have higher wages would save more, that is not often true because they spend more. Approximately one in four families, that's 26% of us, at all income levels will have at least three disruptions in a year. Annually, a significant drop in income affects 17.6% of families. 6.2% of families experience an involuntary job loss, and 5.1% have a health-related incident. Low-income families with savings are more financially resilient than middle-income families without savings. Wherever you are on your income level, you should be able to put some money away for an emergency fund. And obviously, the more money you make, the greater amount of money you may need to put away because your emergency is going to cause you to spend more money that, you know, because you have a higher output and cash flow. But my point is this. It doesn't matter where you are in generating income. You need to have a budget and you need to prepare for an emergency by having an emergency savings fund. So how do we make an emergency fund a reality? First, you have to prioritize it. Prioritize having an emergency fund. Exercise discipline and make this a priority before spending on discretionary items. Ask yourself, is buying something you don't actually need worth not having an emergency fund in the event something unanticipated occurs? Is putting yourself and your family at risk worthy of this discretionary purchase? Is buying a new car or a new TV more important than having an emergency fund that could bail you out later on if there's something that occurs that you don't anticipate. The second thing that I think is key for everyone is to automate your savings. Set up an automated amount of money to be transferred to your savings account every week or month or per paycheck to reach the three to six months goal of coverage. This way, you don't have to do anything. The money is automatically transferred. This is a tried and true mechanism for making you have a savings account without too much thought or effort because you put it on automatic pilot. Check out americasaves.org for tips on how to make a plan for automated savings. They have some good tips there. The third thing is start with some small short-term goals. Better to start with an achievable goal such as $20 per week than setting a goal you will find difficult to maintain such as $500 per month because it is too egregious. Get used to saving and feeling the benefits thereof. Once you reach your short-term goal of establishing your emergency fund and you enjoy seeing your bank account grow, you can set a new goal for saving beyond the emergency fund. Again, I've said this before in my Fiscal Feminist Guide to Saving blog, but I'm going to tell you it again because it's really pertinent in saving for an emergency fund. 
Lastly, stay the course. Do not give up on this goal because it could very well save you from a ruinous situation. Families with more savings have financial health and experience less hardship than families with little or no savings. That is the reality. Establishing an emergency fund is one of the most important things that you can do for yourself and your family. It will give you peace of mind and a safety net. When you are experiencing an unexpected situation, it will give you space to think and to deal with the problem at hand, rather than worrying about how you are going to keep a roof over your head and pay for necessities while you are circumnavigating a challenging situation. So get started today. Do not delay. Start building your emergency savings fund immediately. It's Christmas time. Give yourself the gift of an emergency savings fund. It'll be the best gift you ever give yourself. I would like to thank Tu Quinn, my mentee, for her research and contribution to this article. She did a great job in finding all the facts and figures quoted herein. Until next time, this is a Fiscal Feminist saying, have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Fiscal Feminist, a conversation about women, money, and priorities. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today.